What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another week of Living with Will. Thank you all so much for being here. This is one of those episodes that I can't wait for you to hear, so I'm not going to waste your time with an extended intro. If you're liking the show, please like, comment, and subscribe, show some love. But regardless, get ready, buckle up, and stay tuned because Logic is not only an incredible artist, he's an incredible entrepreneur, businessman, and just a great guy in general. So sit back, relax, and welcome back to another week of Living with Will. Motherfucker, the slickest one. Yeah. I was 16 when I started trapping. Wasn't even rapping. Slicker jeans got more in the fashion. My grandma. Happy to be here. Awesome. Well, I start all interviews the same way. You know, we we were children once upon a time. Uh, I want to know kind of where this journey began for you. That you know, you start off as a kid and now you know, creative director at Google. So. How do you get from point A to point B? Uh, lack of resources. Um, like I said, I mentioned the ceiling was really low, especially for, uh, especially for a black kid in uh, St. Louis. Um, I I start started my journey in like Ferguson, Missouri. If you ever if you're familiar with that, of course. Uh, with, uh, for, yeah. for an unfortunate reason, from I'm familiar with it from the protests. I wish I was familiar for a better reason. Yeah, right. Uh, exactly. It's just um, just coming from that environment. Uh, you just realize that a lot of answers or a lot of uh, doors are not even in the area for you to even be aware that they exist. So my parents moved our family to the boondocks, which is what we would call. If you ever seen the cartoons, the boondocks, it was like Riley and Huey, two yeah. black kids moved to a white neighborhood. That's what me and my sister were. And uh, they did it for a better, better education. I don't think if I moved, I would be the person I am today. Uh, but doing that, man, it just allowed for me to see that just because a particular community, the white community, just because they seemingly had more money, which I mean, they did, uh, that they weren't necessarily more liberated or that they had the answers or that they were happier because they weren't. Uh, so then it just kind of allowed for me to uh, kind of just really paved my own path because it was like, well, they don't have it. And, you know, so was, this isn't what I want to do either. This isn't because, you know, you go through the whole code switching thing or whatever growing up where I'm speaking like this around my white friends and this around my black friends. And it was like, yo, this is trash because I like at 17, I can foresee identity issues <laughs> brewing, you know, because you got to keep that up. Right. You just that self-awareness is a motherfucker. So, um, I just kind of learned to stand on my own and just kind of uh, when I was able to see both sides of the tracks, it was like, well, I, I have nothing to lose if I just do what I like, follow my path genuinely. You know what I mean? Like there is no right or wrong answer. Uh, no one has it figured out. So, yeah, man, it was it was really just a lot of uh, wanting to see more. I wanted to create my own version of Disney. I knew that none of those resources, though, those answers were in my vicinity. So I had to leave, man. So I came to Chicago. I used to play college basketball, uh, but then I came to Chicago, went to art school, and I knew I just needed to be exposed around creative people. Uh, and I don't want to get too long-winded because I know you got a bunch of questions, but I just got in. One of my friends, Morris, he's actually here about to do a photo shoot. Um, he was living up here from St. Louis, and he was going to Columbia, and I was, going to ba I was playing basketball in Missouri. And when I came up here, I was the odd person in St. Louis. Whether, like if I had Chuck Taylors on or a wallet chain, it was just like people just couldn't fathom that. You know what I mean? It was like crazy. 
But then when I came to Chicago, I was like just a, a drop in the bucket. I was just a regular person. And it was the most inspiring thing ever because I saw people making music. I saw an Asian girl with tattoos and I heard different colors. I was like, what is going on with this? You know what I mean? So it's like, I, I knew that it was a, a, an environment that I had to be a part of and that I could grow in. So, and from there, man, I just knew. And I guess that access that I said I lacked where I was from, whether it was galleries or being at the seat at the table with people making decisions and actually you start to see how much is money really like you really get to working in advertising and tech you realize that fifty thousand dollars you know it's not really a lot or 60 and it wasn't necessarily about that but money is power and it was just all these things man it was just uh it was a motivator it was just and then when i get those seats at the table i'm able to crack the door open and let my homies in get them jobs or use those uh brand and agency dividends to put it back into the community or the art scene, you know what I'm saying? So it's a scratch my back, you scratch my type of situation. So sick. And I love how, <laughs> <laughs> I just love how in so so brief of a time, you've already touched on so many different systems of oppression, whether it be classism, racism, exclusivity, gatekeeping. I mean, we have to, you know, in different variations, people have to navigate these spaces. And it's just, it's really refreshing to hear someone who's, you know, on their path, kind of be like, yeah, I was dealing with that. And so I was like, fuck it. I'm going to, I'm going to do it myself and I'm going to make it happen. Uh, and it's just great. Yeah, to see. We all, we all have the idea that we can do it, but I think a lot of people don't get the chance to meet people who've done it. You know, they think, they're yeah, so it's cool. That's why I wanted to have you on, man. You're a fucking <laughs> so how did, how did dealing with all this and how did that lead you to Google? How did you end up financing your way and, and earning your way into a, into a company and an institution like that? You know, it's crazy. The fact that even the idea of finessing my way into Google is a thing because black people only make up 4% of the tech industry, whether I guess it's Amazon or whatever, four, maybe almost five, but just whatever. It's very uh, low. Yes. And, you know, I, I posed this question. I was like, why do I have to be extraordinary to work here? Why do I have to be, uh, why do I have to be this artist thing or whatever to work here? And, you know, so with that, how I got there, man, I was working in, I worked at Leo Burnett uh, prior, which is a big agency. And there I saw it was a traditional, it was a traditional agency. And that means that like, they have an old way of thinking, especially with the Midwest and all those things. So man, I was working on tobacco. Like I was working on dip. Like, I don't know any black people that dip, which is why I worked on it. Cause if they had hired me to work on menthol cigarettes, I wouldn't have did it because it's, they pretty much just advertise it to black and Hispanic people. But so I pretty much got dipped down to a science or whatever. It was, I've had a very cynical approach or, you know, mindset within the industry. And I just identified that it was so hard for me to pitch things that were important to me or to sell things that were important to me. Uh, and that was like not having the proper advocacy or the proper, like things that are white, uh, cool in white culture, not necessarily what's cool in black culture. And when you're the only one speaking a, sp a specific language, uh, it's hard to get those things through. So man, some things happen in the building, won't get too much into it, but it pretty much like, uh, just pretty much like uh, ideas that were insensitive to a specific group. And I, I flagged it. I flagged it to a point where I controlled the narrative and I, I ended up getting like one-on-ones with like the CEO and uh, like bypassing my creative directors. And I was a, a senior art director at the time. And I really realized that uh, 
there was a lot lacking in the industry. And the thing that was lacking was understanding or uh, the resolution of uh, color and culture is not synonymous. Uh, right? But it's hard for structures to think this way, especially when they're looking at the, the stats and numbers and all these things. But, you know, uh, uh, we know followers don't necessarily move culture. It's the people, it's the energy, it's the, um, I don't, it's hard for me to tell them why this person is dope and they don't have 2 million followers, but they're making waves in the, the most grand, like, I don't know if you ever heard of Joe Fresh Goods or whatever. Anyways, so understanding that culture and color was not synonymous and them lacking the understanding, I pretty much picked a SWAT team of like five people. And then uh, it was a black guy that they actually got us mixed up the first like three or four months we were working together. <laughs> and we had, yeah, yeah, right. And we had uh, three Asian people, three people from Asian descent. And we, we created a, a team called Naomi. And Naomi was named after the wife of Leo Burnett. So we, came, we had this approach that we were the agency's confidant, the, the, the truth bouncing pad, you know what I'm saying? We, we were bringing in new clients and we were salvaging clients uh, within the agency. So I pretty much did, I pretty much got so busy on that they had to take me off the account that they hired me for and they end up copywriting and everything, my, uh, uh, my trademarking my brand Naomi uh, under the umbrella and uh, I was traveling and doing all these things that I wasn't doing prior. Uh, and just with my art career and me using my creativity internally, like to make stuff inside the building, uh, I, I think that was what Google really liked, you know, the innovation within a large conglomerate like Leo Burnett. So sick. So they, yeah, I, yeah. Chose, I chose my language specifically for that reason, you know, because we don't, we unfortunately see enough um, black people or people of color in general, especially black people, but we don't see women either in these tech mm -hmm. industries. So when I get mm -hmm. the opportunity to speak to people that are in it, I'm like, how the fuck did you find your, you know what I mean? Like, how did you make it work? Mm -hmm. They make it very difficult. Like, I don't know if they do it on purpose uh, and, and, and no shade to Google. <laughs> I am in no way trying to quit your <laughs> career. Yeah, no, no, you're good, yeah. yeah. These institutions, I don't think they do it on purpose, but they definitely do a good job of making it difficult for truly innovative thinkers to get there. So I'm glad that you're there. <laughs> I'm glad you made it. <laughs> we need you. Yeah, man. Appreciate it. Uh, I definitely people. Somebody told me the other day that I'm a uh, that I'm a uh, not an anomaly. That I'm a conundrum. That I'm. <laughs> uh, I mean, statistically, it's harder to get into to work at Google than it is to get a job at. Uh, I mean, it's harder, it's statistically, it's harder to get hired at Google than it is to uh, get accepted into Harvard. So that, you know, I bet you felt pretty good know. about that. Yeah, I was like, that's pretty, that's pretty show. <laughs> You're like, I'll remember that one. <laughs> that's so sick. Yeah, man, yeah, man. It's, I have to uh, show you something. I don't think I, I'll send it to you afterwards, but I have a Harvard uh, student ID. I did not oh. go to Harvard. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Did you party at Harvard ever? I did. Did you say that I party at Harvard? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, once or twice. Oh, how was there's, it? There's some fun people in the Cambridge area. I didn't spend too much time in Boston, but they got some fun people around there. Okay, yeah, I would people. imagine. 
some people cool so some cool people my god that was hard for me to say go to mit as well there's some really innovative yeah. schools in that area yeah those smart kids i'm sure they will come up with the most innovative ways to have fun <laughs> a lot of smoking in boston it's a little too cold for me i, I can oh, imagine true. it's like that in chicago too i've heard horror stories mm -hmm. about the wind there yeah bro i mean it's the windy city yeah. uh it's due to the due to the uh politics mostly but it's cold as shit here bro yeah the politics yeah. are windy how does that what's that not, so the, the the chicago's called the windy city not based on the wind it's based on the politics the way they sway it's always oh. in self-interest it's always self-interest yeah damn so, yeah that's fucking nuts that's fucking yeah a lot of people don't know that yeah yeah i'm glad it doesn't this is what this is all about we're trying to give people some information they didn't know and one thing that i'd like to ask you which is this is an amazing transition because we're going to just blow past it <laughs> I was trying to find it an alliterated for the win. It was fine. Yeah. I did my best. Um, so we we receive a lot of words of wisdom in our lifetime, right? So people mm -hmm. in our lives give us information that helps inform us. I'm curious to know what are some words of wisdom that have helped inform you in your life? Uh, my mom. My mom is actually here, but she used to always say this to me when I was a kid. When I would like be late to something, first she was like, "You always a day late and a dollar short." Like you always say that. And then she would follow it up with like, and would say, you don't want to be a should have, could have, would have. I, um, I should have done that. I could have done that. I would have done that. You know, whether you're looking at somebody as a spectator or you missed out on the opportunity. And I, I found with that, I resonated with that a lot because as I was always a day late and a dollar short, I found that uh, the, the feeling of missing out was a lot worse than actually applying myself and seeing what the fuck is gonna happen if I tried. And uh, didn't wanna never say shoulda, coulda, woulda. Um, so I think that was one of the biggest things, man, uh, that my, what my mom said, bro. I love that. No, I mean, moms give the best advice. It's funny because it takes us a while to hear it too. I'm sure you didn't hear that when she first said it, but a few years later, you're like, oh. I was like, what do you mean, yeah. <laughs> I'll be straight. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm nine. I'm, I'll be okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's when you hear it the first time. You're yeah. like eight, nine. You're like, nah, I should have my And then 10 years later, you're like, oh my God, my mom's a genius. <laughs> Why didn't I listen? Well, I'm curious, you know, uh, moms have incredible advice, but you know, as we age, we start developing our own wisdom. I'm curious to know what's some words of wisdom that you would give to, let's say, words of wisdom you'd give to an artist to an entrepreneur or business person or just wisdom for life? What are, what are three different things in those areas that you would say to people? Well, for the artists, I would say, uh, don't worry about the followers because I know social media is a pressure and to focus and to uh, focus on yourself, like to invest in yourself. That doesn't mean like necessarily monetarily, even though it does, it means time, it means, uh, uh, figure out your vision. And that doesn't mean you necessarily have to know what that vision is. It's just, whether it's just writing words on a piece of paper or just taking photos or doing, I did all of those things. And what it was, was just really love your narrative and, and embrace your narrative. Uh, be a fan of your, you should do it. You should create it to love it. And you should, and you know that when no one's on your side of the fence, or on your side of the stadium cheering for you and everybody and like the stadium is empty and you being comfortable with being in that empty gas stadium. And be, and if it's three people trickling in, love those three people. 
because those three people are gonna get three other people. You know what I'm saying? And then next thing you know, you're moving at the you're moving with your heart's content. And you're not moving based on uh uh you're not contingent on whether people are double tapping your shit or uh buying your art is based on what you love and people waiting on what you're creating, what you're bringing to the world versus you trying to stay on trend or you trying to do these things because that's exhausting as fuck. And uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you gotta you gotta walk in your truth, dog. And then uh, the one for the entrepreneur. What helps people helps business. Um, when when you write, what helps people helps business. Leo Burnett actually said that, so I'll give I'll give a word. Shout out to Leo Burnett. But uh, I'll keep that in mind, like when I uh, like when I run my own things, but. I think when you help people and run business, it makes it makes your initiative much bigger than you. Uh, it makes the product have more of a life to it. it um, you know, we all about capitalism, but I think people felt everyone's about that quick return on investment, uh, where the the groundwork and just that that nourishment. You know what I'm saying? The nourishing of others. Uh, if you're a lawyer. Help some motherfuckers out with <laughs> what you can do. You know, just give back a little bit, you know. So I think when you do that, you start to you really start to define what your product is and what your service is. And I'm not saying be a non-for-profit, but I'm just saying like when you're when you're doing collaborations or whatever, it's like how can other people benefit? You know what I'm saying? Versus how many dollars can I stuff in my pocket? Oh, and then such great advice. <laughs> yeah, man, it's crazy. Cause that's I'm thinking longevity, you know, like things that help people, that's what. It, it might not catch on right at the beginning, but you know, fires down the line, you'd be smooth. Uh, and then what was that third one? Oh, for just a person, just a living uh, life, maneuvering life, the most difficult of all. Uh, uh, nothing's forever, nothing's forever, and I mean that in the most positive way ever. And I mean, uh, take, take self development is important, being aware of yourself is important, doing self work is important. And that whether that's meditating and meditating comes in different forms. It is not always a kumbaya and, and uh, legs cross style. It can be painting. It could be a walk. It could be anything. But taking those moments out to just develop oneself uh, and really, like, I travel alone. Like, I spent a lot of my 20s going to countries or different cities by myself just so I can shut the fuck up and watch and listen and pay attention and see something else, right? Uh, just so I wouldn't get so, uh, uh, so I didn't put all my chips into the bubble I was living in. So self, self-awareness, self, self-work. Yeah. Great fucking advice, man. Those are everything that you just said. I hope everybody takes notes because when I'm editing this, I will be rewriting all of this. Um, <laughs> it's so valid though. I mean, especially one of the things that you said that really resonated with the meditating. I didn't realize until this year that meditation could be something you do while you walk and while you like when you read when you're with family you know it's like just the act of focusing on yourself and your and your loved ones is in itself meditation because it's it's like it's for you which is dope i just said (laughs) at a resound yeah no that's real bro because it's it's, we shout out to the internet and uh access to information because like anything, things were only coming through a limited amount of channels. So your version of whether it's voodoo, the spirit, you know, the voodoo practice, or because you just see like little zombie dolls or whatever, to like meditation and 
and what you see on TV, that's what you that's what you can see. Or uh, so now, just the internet being able to share all this information allows for us to get more of a 360 perspective. So, so yeah. true. And that, and you, you're helping me so much with these transitions. It's ridiculous. What is something that, whether it be on the internet or otherwise, that you're really excited about right now? Uh, man, uh, all my homies winning. And, and it's like we all came up together, broke as hell, putting everybody in and up for $20 to smoke some weed, you know what I'm saying? Uh, to my homies doing, uh, doing photo shoots in my studio and uh, and then with that, just coupled with that, is the NFT space, because uh, that allows for ownership to happen. Uh, and it's yeah, that is just changing the game. And a lot of my community isn't aware of it or doesn't know how the shit works, because it's a specific group that are early adopters. You know, like I think a lot of people get so caught up on like, bro, we're nerds, bro. We understand what a fucking NFT and what a blockchain is. You guys got to chill out. Like nobody knows what this shit is. You know what I mean? So with, uh, I'm just excited for it because it's allowing for people who don't have access to galleries, like the reason why I'm even working in tech or Google to get to these, these tables or whatever. Because somebody offered me like $300 for my painting, bro. I was like 21 and I was like, my rent was $300. But I just knew how deep the rabbit hole went. You know what I'm saying? So I've never sold an original piece, but I was like, nah. I'd rather keep it <laughs> like for, and, and it was like even though three hundred dollars would have did so much for me it was like nah man it's my heart and soul but the idea of it is just that I, I didn't know nobody who could pay for more than three hundred dollars for my artwork but I was like I'm gonna get there eventually but it was just the value and just even your my limited view to only see people who can afford three hundred dollar paintings says a lot at the age of 21 and and with the NFT space allows for somebody who didn't have to, don't have to plot to do the whole uh, uh, advertising corporate America jug, you know what I'm saying? Where they can do something crazy innovative on a blockchain, get that shit featured. I got dope work people, you know what I'm saying? Now they, somebody made, I saw somebody make $250,000 today on foundation. The art was okay. It was, the art was okay, you know what I'm saying? But I was like, they gave me hope. I was like, yo, that's what it went for 250. Let my black ass get in there. You know what I'm saying? That. Like, and, yeah. and just the art that's going to enter the space. After these things are going for two hundred fifty thousand dollars, the art that my my community is able to cultivate is going to go crazy. No question, man. And I'm, I'm and I I full fully agree with that. I think once mass adoption happens, the level of art that we're going to start seeing on these spaces, like it's going to embarrass some of the artists that are putting out work right now. But I'm excited yeah. for everyone who, if you're an artist making money, I'm fucking, I'm curious. I want to yeah. ask you, you said something that you'd never sold an original piece and that you said no to that person when you were 21. Could you kind of elaborate on your rationale for that? Because I think there's a lot of artists that are, that would be curious to know, like, what your thinking was on that. I mean, that goes into what I was talking about earlier about, like, self-development, self-awareness, and, like, really understanding why things are the, the way they are. Like, you look at an artist's journey people I didn't I knew I didn't have a story nobody had nobody knew who I was like and I know people buying into the story or when people are investing people looking to flip even though they might like your work people looking to flip but also I wanted my can you hear me okay there's a bit of static but yeah you like I can hear you but there's there's weird sometimes when you're like a pitch hits a certain level there's a weird static 
How about now? It's great. No. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it was just, uh, I just knew that I saw my work uh, in a place that wasn't someone's grandmother's living room. Uh, and then also, um, I knew that I had to love what I was creating in order for me to put it out because I, the paintings weren't finished, even though they look finished to other people. I have paintings that I'm still working on from when I was 21 years old. I have, and I just kept accumulating them. And, and I realized that I wasn't in a rush. I wasn't in a rush to, cause, uh, you only got one time to make a first impression and I want mine to come out with come out swinging nice. and um yeah that's what it was man like I've, I've done a complex con i've done a bunch of things i've my art's taking me places and i'm considered a painter or whatever and i no one owns an original piece for me uh and now i'm gearing up for that and i think this is the perfect time it says a lot i think even because that 300 dollars, if i had i can't even i couldn't even put that in my story right now just even me whatever my corporate thing, this, that, and the third, what I've done. And also, this is you know, the first original ever by who, me, right? Whether it's the NFT drop or, a, and I can do two Genesis pieces. I can do a Genesis piece on a Disney world, and then following up, I can do a Genesis piece in the physical world, which is, and I can use a blockchain to sell a second Genesis piece. So it's like, you know what I mean? It's just a deep, it's a, uh, I, I was seeing this at the moment, you know, and I'm seeing this when I was 21, I was foreseeing this opportunity. That's huge. I, I love it. it. It's making me reconsider some moves I made, but I, you know, I don't know the past. <laughs> I'm like, fuck, man, I probably should have done that shit. Jesus. Uh, nah, man, nah, man, you gotta, that's what happened. You did, you did what you needed to do. Yeah, no, real shit. I, that's exactly the way that I try and encourage people to. It's like, when you hear good advice, the, the thing you should do is not be caught up in the fact that you just heard it. It should be, okay, I know now. Like, I'm, yeah, not, about yeah. to, I'm not about to sell my shit for what it's not worth anymore. Never yeah, again, nah, starting man. today. You got to make, make yourself feel good. It's like, bro, I'd rather look at it for this. <laughs> That's a great you point. Know. That's a great point. So what, yeah. let me ask you this. As a, so you're at Google. Explain a little bit about what creative directing at Google is. I think a lot of people hear that title and don't know what the fuck it means at all. Yeah, uh, a lot of people are like, what? Do you, do you do the homepage? I'm like, no. Can you change the, <laughs> yeah, can you change one of those Google Doodles? Uh, no, nah, so uh, basically, as a creative director, uh, my main priorities is helping brands and agencies create to make better creative for our platforms like YouTube uh, and other forms of tech that we can apply, whether it's like Google Home, like we can tie in some stuff with Google Home, like this would be great for that, this, that, and the third. Uh, so we do things like that. And also just internal things that come around, um, we come together to help the keep the keep the wheel moving, man. But a lot of it is uh, like on the sales side, agencies, like I worked with Leo Burnett, like my old uh, agency. So that's what it is, we, we consult and we like, do um, we find these trends to be very popular? Maybe we can apply this idea to this to really amplify what you want to say. Heck, uh, I'm trying to figure out what fucking project you're working on exclusively for all those ones. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I believe in his vision. I'm a follower. <laughs> awesome, man. So how did you like, so you, you found the NFT space. I mean, and, and the NFT space is obviously a fan of yours, but how did you find your way into blockchain and the NFT world? When did that relationship start? 
Uh, shout out to Clubhouse. Uh, the crypto space I've been aware of since like 2016, bought it in about 2017. I bought it on a run up and then when it dipped, I don't know if you were a part of that one. I totally yeah. remember that. I thought that was and, the highest it would ever go. Yeah, and I, I was one of those guys who were just hearing about it, like to really put some money in. Uh, and uh, I was in Japan and I was in Japan for like a long time, like like 33 days. I wandered around Japan. And uh, you tell us a little backstory of that. Why were you in Japan? <laughs> uh, I'm fascinated. Actually, I have a Japanese language school called Chiba Center. We have like 100 students where we teach. Uh, it's for the black community. Uh, we've been doing it for about a year. We have three. We have three senseis, three teachers. Uh, we teach five to six classes uh, a week. I mean, five, uh, we teach classes five to six days a week, and we have about 15 classes a week. And we have different levels, like begin, uh, new students who know nothing about the culture or the language. We have uh, a middle, like intermediate, and we have advanced, like uh, almost fluent speakers. That's awesome. We'll put we'll put this in the description too, so that yeah. people can be aware of it. Yeah, man. But okay. the Japanese thing was just, uh, you know, again, it was uh, I've been in LA a bunch of times, New York or whatever, in Middle America, all those things. Art Bowser in Miami, but it was more so about now and even Europe. But it was like, let me do something that's not like all Western culture, you know, like Europe, London, France, or like European Western cultures or whatever. And then like, uh, or Europe, you know, that mindset, that Eurocentric mindset and then America. So when I went to Japan, which I got to do Africa uh, next somewhere in Africa, I want to just use it like it's uh, uh, just one thing. But I appreciate I appreciate you saying that. <laughs> yeah, because you know, like, because I want to go to Ghana, I want to go to Cameroon, I want to go to Nigeria, I want to go to all of them, I want to go everywhere. But um, it was just a. It was before I don't go anywhere else for a long time. Like I did a job for Toyota. I did a job that never ran. I don't care. They paid me like eight thousand dollars, and I and I ain't never had that much money a day in my life, bro. I like Sick. I was like, yo, this is amazing. Uh, it's like two thousand. 18 or whatever and i like i took all of that money bro and went to japan and i quit my job while i was out there because i got hired I, I knew i was coming back to another job so i quit my job like two weeks in but i did the reason why i went was because i needed something i needed i needed to know that how deep this again how deep does this rabbit hole go how does someone that doesn't even speak anything close to english you know french people still speak a little english or whatever you know you got you London right there, but in Japan, a holistic, like a holistic culture, um, it was just to get another perspective on uh, the day-to-day -day life of someone. I remember being there, bro, and I saw somebody on their bike, just their bike, biking past me. As I was scrolling on my Instagram, I looked up, I saw somebody bike past me, and I, was, I think I was in uh, Kyoto, maybe, or Osaka, and I, I realized that this was more interesting than what was on my phone. And the, I and what I'm like, I just had to cleanse my social media. And but I'm I keep being on tangents, but the as a kid, you know, Dragon Ball Z, whatever, the anime, it was like, oh my God, this is crazy. But then when I went to Japan, it was like the inspiration, bro, just the visceral nature of Tokyo and Osaka and just the different like samurais and like they're like the cleanest place I've ever seen. Like it was, it was, I needed to see that just so I can, I'm trying to, I'm trying to create universal truths in my, my art. Like I want to be able to speak to everyone. I want 
to try to want to understand or kind of be able to empathize with everybody. So you can't do that just seeing one thing, you know what I mean? So uh, just doing that, bro, it brought in my, my whole horizon probably like by another 70 degrees, bro, uh, just of acceptance, like of being able, whether it's like following trends, you re- I started not thinking so um, Chicago, like everything I, w- I was talking, you start to think in trends of your of where you are, like oh, it's winter, spring, fall, or whatever. This is hot, but you're only thinking in this microcosm. So when I went to Europe and Japan, and I plan to keep going, uh, it it helps me think in my how how time is moving for me. You know what yeah, I'm saying? So no question, yeah. man. Japan is a place I haven't been, but I weirdly dream of it like i'll know i'm in japan in my dreams but i've never been there so i know i have to go i'm like well this is too weird i don't dream about other places man but japan (laughs) so bizarre but so you're in japan and that's when your blockchain like kind of experience begins yeah because that shit tanked bro because it tanked and i needed the uh i put like 400 dollars in there because that's what i had and and i looked and it went from like 17k it was like at 14 13k and I had like $200 left. I was like, I needed that $200. Yep. So I had to take it out. So like, you kind of, you know, you kind of start or whatever. But that was like my, my intro. And it was a great intro because um, you just kind of learn to hold. You kind of learn just what the market is. And it was like, oh, I've been burned before. And it wasn't all fucking like uh, balloons and cray- crayons and rainbows or whatever. So around 2000, like before the pandemic, but... Just started putting a little bit in, man. Just put, started putting a little bit in. Uh, but if there, I mean, the crypto space, I mean, the NFT space, I was aware of it towards the beginning of the year. Like, probably like seven, or about seven months ago, I would say. Six, seven months ago. Because uh, of Clubhouse. So, so, And I heard, yeah, bro. Like, but it was like early talks, you know what I mean? Yeah, Before yeah, yeah. it was like, bad rooms and shit. So I was already like looking, taking my time. I was in a, and then, the beeple thing started brewing. I was like, oh, I got some time. How fast can this shit go? It was no out, but yeah. But it's yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah, we're in it. We're in it. Uh, yeah, it's funny in that it. you got burned in 2017. I also did. Um, <laughs> Litecoin was at like 260. I'm like, yeah, it's a good investment. It'll keep going up. And uh, it didn't. Yeah, it came down. <laughs> um, the, hopefully, I mean, luckily, we both, we both got burned then so that we could be a part of the run up now. But I am convinced, and this is not financial advice to anyone listening, but I'm convinced yeah, that we're yeah. going to get another one of those in maybe a year, maybe two, where it drops. On Litecoin? On all of them. I think all uh, of them are going <laughs> to. I think Bitcoin, I think we'll see Bitcoin at 20000 again, but then I think we'll yeah. see it at 120000 after You think that. it's going to go to $20,000? Are you let me tell you. Let me tell you this. Tell, this is my rationale. So 2017, well, no, let me backtrack. 2013. I think it was when it went to a thousand and that was like from $30 to a thousand, right? Then it crashed <laughs> and then 2016, it comes back and now it goes to 20,000, right? True. Fucking nuts. And I had friends getting in. I had a friend, dude, he gave me $150 to pay me back and he had to cash out 10 Bitcoin to pay me back. Like, that, yeah, I know, right? So sad. I think about that all the time. I'm like, I'm the worst friend ever. But so, so this is my rationale, right? That happened. 2016, yeah. 20,000 to 3,000. That's where it bottomed, right? And yeah. then we go from 3,000 to 50. So, or 60, I guess. I think it's like 55 now. But so my, yeah. my, my theory is that we're going to maybe see 
66, 75, and then we'll see 20. I think 20 will be the next bottom. That's it. And then it's going to like 300. I don't know where it's I going. Think it might, I, all right, so I'm going to say why I disagree with this whole all thing. All right, cool. Hell yeah. It might go to, it might go to 45, and I'm okay with that. I just put some in recently. But uh, Same. Uh, because, right, because it wasn't as mainstream and it didn't have – it wasn't adopted as much. And it wasn't – people weren't able to have conversations at the frequency we are now. Before, in 2017, 2018 – even 2019, it was all nerds, bro. It was yeah. all nerds. Yeah. And I'm calling myself this when I'm talking yeah, about people yeah. just on the computer, right? It was us, a, a, a particular community, right? A specific community. Now and today, bro, like even, even people got on through Dogecoin, which they probably thought was a stock first before they knew it was even a cryptocurrency. You have Visa uh, accepting or creating cards for Bitcoin. Uh, you have... Um, Pandemic, fourteen hundred dollars stimmies. People are losing faith in the uh, uh, fiat. You know what I'm saying? And people um, are just in. And I say this. I mean, even te- I mean, Elon just tweeted said Tesla is going to yeah. accept Bitcoin it's and so- they're not going to exchange it for fiat. And they bought and- over a billion dollars of it. <laughs> so, so companies are either going to get with the shits or yeah. not. So what I'm saying is more people are understanding the value of Bitcoin. So, and have already seen that, that thing in 2018, 19, I mean, 17, when that dropped, right? So people understand the dips. I think I could be, you know, for the, for the people who've been in the game. You you kind of, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because the supports, the supports stay where people hold and you lose, you actually start losing money as soon as you swap out the Bitcoin for the fiat. And I think people are understanding that, which is why the supports are getting higher and higher. I don't think people are looking to sell it unless they're going to throw it in Ethereum to swing it and put it back in or some crazy stuff like that, right? But I think, I, I just think more people have more confidence in it and there's more technology, uh, like a Tesla supporting it or yeah. more speculation that seems very righteous. You know what I mean? That's awesome. Actually, you've kind of fucked up my argument because I think that, my whole thing was that mass adoption hasn't, I don't think mass adoption's happened yet, but I think you're right in the fact that institutions and people know of it. And the fact that Tesla backed it should enough for me to change my mind, but I think this is a living with Will first. I might have changed my mind today. I think 20 might be too low. 20 might be yeah, too low. Yeah, 20 I'm might like, be low, bro. Because think about how many people are going to scoop, it. like, bro, if we go 20, bro, everybody's scooping. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm putting the whole, I'm putting everything in there. If we go to 20, yeah. I'm putting everything in there. Same. And that, that was my Me? plan. <laughs> I'm waiting for it. I, saw I don't think on. 20. No, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking you're right. Because it's funny. <laughs> this happened literally today. It dropped like 15% or whatever, 20 to 50,000, immediately back up to 55. So I'm like. Yeah, because people scooped it up. Yeah, because they know. I think I might be, I might have to reassess that bottom. But let me ask you this. I, I know you're a busy man. I want to let you get back to it. Um, I like to end these with a more, you know, lighthearted. We're, we're honest. It's perfect. You, you've been helping me so much today just with transitions. It's ridiculous. But I always like to ask this now, you know, we're all creative people. So I feel like people have good answers for this. If you were a superhero, what superhero would you be? And what superpower would you have? Like an existing superhero? No, you you are the secret. You choose everything oh. about it. It's your power, your name. Oh wow! Yeah, take uh, time. <laughs> yeah, no, this is this is dope. This is dope. Um, if I were a superhero, 
I would, it would probably, I guess you could take a, the Superman thing, like you got super speed and all that type of stuff. Even though Batman was like my favorite superhero, but like, if it was like a real life situation, you, you seen uh, uh, the uh, the boys. Yeah, yo, you know, it's so funny you say that. I read the script. I was working at ICM at the time and I was in the mail room just trying to learn the entertainment business. And yeah. someone put the script on my desk. They were like, yo, like this script just came in. You should check it out. And it was the, the boys before that's it's sick. Really different now. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's sick. That's sick as hell. That's a dope, that's a dope ass moment. Yeah, uh, it was huge for me, especially because I, I, I didn't know it was, it was already in production. I thought it was just a, a throwaway script, but I was like, they're so stupid. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah, no, like, you know, like Homelander or whatever. Uh, so I would I would take that, man, but I would I would want. I guess you can always say like intuition. I would like to like have extreme intuition so I can discern the problems and not be swayed by people so, cause you know, good and bad is like relative or right. whoever, like what's good for one person is completely shit for somebody else. But right. yeah, I would like to have like a Superman Homelander power, but be able to have like extreme like intuition uh, to really, or damn, or like to be able to move stuff in my mind. No, I'd rather have the superpower, super speed, Sick. see through stuff. You yeah. could have had both. You could have had them all. <laughs> One thing I love about this question is people don't realize you create the boundaries of this question. It, and and yeah. everyone's like, I'll fly. I'll be super speed. You're the first person to be like, I'll take super, I'll take super strength, super speed, and intuition. <laughs> yeah. You can have it all. And so what would your name be? Uh, shit, Logic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's fire. It's fucking fire. Oh man, I love it. Uh, like somebody is, robbing a bank is like, bro, this isn't logical, bro. This isn't logical. And I just show up. You should have said that. <laughs> He's coming. <laughs> yeah. That's sick. Stuff That's like really that. awesome. Yeah. I hope that uh I hope that a cartoon artist could be have some uh some graphic novelist listening. I hope someone runs with that. Oh bro, I'm working character. on my I'm working on a cartoon. No way. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Throwing it out. I'm putting it uh I did the rough, I did the rough draft for um so like the rough draft of the pitch deck so uh yeah i'm working on it let's is is throwing it out in the universe yeah yo send it um yeah. whenever you feel comfortable sending it out to people let me let me um let me see it i'll i'll, I'll shoot it out to people as well that's fucking when is do you have a rollout plan is there a date where that's coming coming out uh i'm speaking to my uh my partner just based on like uh investments and like uh studio like really occupying a studio type stuff so like uh yeah man like really my my biggest before we get off my my angle the reason why i'm uh at google or while i'm or, or why even not google but why i did this corporate trek the reason why i even did this so one is so i don't have to paint someone's dog to stay afloat um, I wanted to spend my time creating what I wanted to create. Yeah. And I also used the corporate infrastructures to pay for stuff like this until I can create those things to pay for yeah. stuff like this, right? Okay. And then, but the thing is, my end goal, the reason why I do painting, the reason why I do animation, the reason why I do photography uh, and create experiences for people. I've seen you a video, uh, two, three videos after we get off, but I'm creating a world. I'm trying to create my, version, my own version of Disney. 
So whether that's a theme park of not like necessarily roller coasters, but a theme park reimagined, you know what I'm saying? Or like uh, feature films and animations and uh, uh, a world in which people can actually step into, whether it's on television or or in real life. You know what I mean? So, so sick. Yeah, bro. That's what so, I'm working Bob, on. Keep, please keep me posted on that. And then yeah. it's funny that you mentioned that. I'm actually about to put out an episode today with a creative director at Disney. Um, so if I can put you guys in touch, just keep me posted on. Hell yeah. yeah. Hell <laughs> yes, you Clubhouse. can. Fucking shout out to Clubhouse. <laughs> I know. Uh, my friend, uh, my friend, uh, she calls it Chatty House. Yo, love it. It's straight chatty up. Chatty House. It is the yeah. chattiest house on the fucking planet right now. <laughs> let me know. Yeah. Uh, let me know any. Listen, whenever that comes out, please keep me posted. But is there any projects that, you know, before we before we wrap this up, any projects or anything you should people should be on the lookout for? Yeah, I'm actually working on my NFT, my Genesis piece. Uh, looking to have that done in the next couple months. Oh, I'm shit. really excited about it. Yeah, Hell man. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, man, that's what I'm really excited about. That's what I'm working on. That's what I've been having meetings. Also, uh, I'm working on, you know, I'm just throwing this stuff out here because like yeah. these things are, fuck it. Uh, holding myself accountable. I'm uh, planning on having an NFT art show here too, as well. Sick. Damn. Yeah, I got a homie that's good with that does like these screens or these type of screens. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's like, yo, I have the space for it. Let's do uh, NFT art show in Chicago. Let's get people exposed to NFT space in Chicago. All right. Well, we need to talk about this off the interview because I have yeah. something I want to discuss with you on that front. On top of yeah. which, maybe we could release this as some promotion for the NFT drop. Um, yeah, this bro. It's probably gonna come out like the first week of may but if if you we could just we, we can talk off the interview i'll edit this little part out but let's talk off this about how we yeah. can help this be promotion for it because at this oh, yeah. point it's like the whole audience is nft people <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, uh, look. Yeah. <laughs> it's dope though if, if yeah. i fell into uh into curating a really dope nft like roster of interviews it's fucking sick yeah, man, I appreciate you reaching out to me, man, for sure. No question. Oh, man, you, you say it like I'm the one. You should, I should be the one who's great. Well, you're fucking creative director at Google, dude. <laughs> I do this for free. <laughs> but listen, um, I want to let you go. I got two more quick questions for you. Yeah, um, for sure. One of which is for the NFT community, man. There's there's a lot of trends and culture starting there. I got to ask you, man, what's your favorite condiment? My favorite condiment? Whoa, that's interesting. Wow, that's dope. My favorite condiment. It probably has to be, wow, is it honey mustard? Yes, yo, yes. I'm I so make my own honey mustard, bro. All right, I, I take some Chicago, spicy I, mustard, I throw some spicy mustard, some manuka honey together, bro. Damn, which honey, yeah, which, which mustard do you use? I just, it's like, I just, bro, I'm like, uh. I don't like to do the same things twice. Like I don't never just buy the same product over and over. So I begin like the the little artisanal mustards, yep. or I get the fuck. Bro, I just be experimenting with stuff, bro. I, I cook. I cook today. I cook from my homies now. But uh, Sick. yeah, bro. Have you ever had the yeah. black cap mu spicy mustard? No, it comes, what's that? It's, it's a glass bottle. I'll send you a picture. I had it when I lived in I lived in Paris as a kid, and it was the mustard oh, I had as a child. But they have it in the U.S. I'm gonna send it. I'm gonna send you a picture of it, and next time you make your mustard, you'll use this kind. Fuck, I should know. Parlez-vous français? Mais bien sûr, mec. Mais j'ai vécu en France pour genre huit ans. Do 
Do you speak French? Did you spend much time in France? No, I only spent a week in France. I took a class when I was like in seventh grade, and my parents told me to uh, to get out and take Spanish. And then that was like one of the first times I realized I can't listen to people in my life choices. Because yeah. I hated I hated Spanish and I love French. I was like thriving in French. And all I was I was in Spanish class, just envious of the people leaving French class. <laughs> listen, man, anytime you said you were yeah. going to go on a trip to some of the countries in Africa, if you ever go to a French speaking nation, I'll pull up with you and I'll oh, be a translator. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, bro. If you go to uh, Japan, let me know. I'll be able to translate it. I was gonna say if they if they ever opened uh, the classes to uh, cisgendered white men, <laughs> I, need, <laughs> I need that. I need, to, I need to learn it. I'm a little bit worried because I guess I'm gonna go and I don't know shit. Muzakashi, that's name. Okay, man. We'll we'll, we'll yeah. share any any um. We'll share the Japanese company. Any any links you want to put in the description. We'll share all the links so that people know what okay. you're working on. But I got one last question for you, man. I like to end all these interviews. We're right on the hour, so I'm glad I didn't uh I didn't try and keep you for too long. But this is it. This is the final. This is it. The final tier. The final frontier. Thirty. I'm gonna set the setting for this one. There's a, there's a whole okay. scene for this question. So okay. Thirty years from now, we're posted. We're on a private island. Exotic drinks, exotic fish. We've seen some wild shit. We've minted the interview. We've made billions on it. <laughs> um, and you're looking back, and it's 30 years from now, and it's the last question. And what would you want to hear yourself say if I was to ask, what are the final thoughts of logic? Whether they be words of wisdom for people on their life journey, or just what would your final thoughts be to the audience? My parents ain't have to work no more. Fuck yes. You feel me? <laughs> that should be everyone's goal. <laughs> Thank you so much. That's fucking incredible. If you want to expand on it at all, if you want to share anything else, you want, uh, but if you want to leave on that, we can. That was dope. I know. Uh, Julian Tomoshi Mas, uh, America Jean Dash, Chicago Ni Sunde Mas, Ato Gadaiski Des. I know. Yoroshiku Onigashimas. Appreciate you, bro. I got to go inside my stop. Yo, so sick. Thank you so much, man. I hope one day, Thank not you. even hope, I will one day be able to re-listen to this and understand it. And I'm so grateful <laughs> for it.